Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of 2 Kings. The first chapter, verses 5 through 11, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as we hear the story of Elijah's ascension. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them in a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you, but if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning comes to us from the first chapter of the book of Acts, the opening verses of that book. And again, I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This he said is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here ends this reading from God's 
holy word. These are the first words of the first chapter of the book of Acts, which marks the opening of the next act of the New Testament. The gospel accounts in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we might consider the first act. They tell us about the earthly ministry of Jesus, the Son of God. The book of Acts transitions to the stories of the works of witness and ministry done in his name by his followers, beginning with their commissioning by the one who had given them the power, the glorified and risen Jesus. The author, who biblical scholars pretty much agree was the same person who gave us the gospel according to Luke, tells us that this is a new chapter, a, a new period in the story, right from the outset. Now today, in addition to being the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend in the United States, it is on the church calendar, the Ascension of the Lord. It's a Sunday when we are encouraged to take stock of the fact that weeks after his resurrection, Jesus ascended to heaven from there to reign at the right hand of the Father until that day when he is sent again to come to the world and to officiate at the final judgment. Now, that's quite a bit to take in, if you ask me. Probably more than we could do justice to on a single day out of the year, but what are some of the implications? The next act of the New Testament is primarily about how Christians are instructed and invited to live in the time between, the time between the first and the second coming of Christ. It, it starts with this last face-to-face -face briefing between the glorified Christ and his disciples and proceeds on to a description of his departure for the last time from their sight. Now he had been a nearly constant companion for a few years and now they were facing a, a bit of an uncertain future without him physically in their presence to guide, to direct, to teach, to encourage and to challenge them. What would they do? This might have been one of the very questions that was running through their minds as they stood transfixed on the clouds above, gazing at the spot where they had last seen him, headed off in a show that rivaled the spectacle of Elijah's dramatic departure in view of his disciple Elisha, the account of which we were reminded of in this morning's Old Testament reading. Now, as today is that the day before Memorial Day, maybe there's a bit of a common thread there. Maybe one of the reasons that people go to the cemetery, and our family used to do this every year on our way to a family reunion that was always held at a nearby park to celebrate the holiday, we'd go to the cemetery first to remember the lives of our loved ones, yes, and to, to tidy up the graves a bit, as it were. But perhaps another part of the reason that people go to cemeteries is because it's the last place that they saw their dearly departed. Oh, sure, it 
they wouldn't have looked anything like they did in life, and more than likely, they were hidden inside a box that was to be lowered into the ground. But, but nonetheless, it was here on this spot that they had their last glimpse. And so it was with the disciples, as they were transfixed on that spot where they had last seen their, their beloved teacher, the rabbi, their friend. And intruding into this moment of sacred contemplation comes this burning question of the practical. What you doing? It was spoken to them by two men dressed in white robes, which is a New Testament literary trope meant to inform us that these were divine messengers who had come with this question. How come y'all are standing around here gazing up at heaven? It, it's as if to say, Jesus is going to return, and before he does, he's given you a list of things that he'd like to see accomplished. So don't dawdle, as it were. Get busy. Get on with it. Get to work. The nature of the work that the disciples had been commissioned to do, it, it didn't look much different from that which they were accustomed to. They had been called and equipped by Jesus to be fishers of men. But one of the things that was certainly going to be different in the next act was the way they were going to have to be going about the things that they had known that they needed to do. With Jesus now ascended and reigning in power from heaven, his friends were going to have to take point, as it were, in the ministry efforts of what was to become known as the church. And as their spiritual descendants, we too, as part of the church, empowered by the same spirit, we too are called to take point in the ministry of the risen Savior. Our participation in this next act of God's plan for the salvation of all his creation is both an honor and a privilege, and at the same time, it can also be a bit of a burden, as it forces us out of our ordinary comfort zone of tending to our own needs above all else. Our human nature would prefer that we not change things up very much. But the world around us, as we know oh so well, is always changing, and it is necessary, therefore, for us also to adapt while remaining firmly grounded in the faith that we have received from Jesus, passed on through the disciples and generations of faithful saints who have since witnessed to the truth of the gospel. Like them, we may hear a heavenly voice, echoing through time, saying, well, get on with it. Just because there's a contagion ravaging the entire face of the earth, the Lord isn't taking a holiday. He's not going into some sort of a divine quarantine. There are things that still need to be done in the midst of all this. So, pick yourselves up, dust yourselves off, and get ready for the next act. We are to remember the Lord, very true. When he instituted the meal which we celebrate as the Lord's Supper, he did so with the phrase, do this in remembrance of me. But we are called to do more than simply memorialize 
Jesus, to stand gazing in awe at what he once accomplished. We are to continue to do the works that he commended us to, that he showed us how to do in his name and to his honor and for his glory. And so we find ourselves in the midst of this new act in the drama called church that's been taking place for 2,000 years or so, this moment of radical reformation of the body of Christ, that which we had been so intentionally and persistently praying for right here at Rehoboth since last year. It, it has come, and I guess we shouldn't be all that surprised that it doesn't look anything like any of us expected it to look like. But the same was true when Jesus was proclaimed Messiah. He didn't fit the mold, nor the job description that humanity had already created for a divinely appointed Savior. This sudden upending, then, of our life together as a fellowship is definitely not what I had in mind as I was praying for changes in and opportunities for mission to come right here to this congregation. But ultimately, that isn't my call, and it isn't yours either. However, new opportunities, well, they have certainly come to our doorstep, and we need to be about the business of adapting, adapting to a vastly different landscape than the one that we are accustomed to, like the disciples gathered there at the site of Jesus' ascension, we might hear the message sent to us by God saying, okay, now you've seen, now you know, now you do. The time has come for the curtain to be opened on the next scene of this next act. It's one for which the only script we have is that of the gospel and the leading of the Spirit. But that is sufficient for us, Dianu, I look forward to the challenge of faithfully living out the Great Commission with a new set of social rules because it gives me an opportunity to practice new ways of being church with you. Now, I'm not taking a page out of McKemmy's playbook, and I'm not even taking a, a page out of Bischoff's playbook. But rather, together, we're writing our own playbook here. Now, right, we are entrusted with finding new expressions for our faith as the body of Christ here at Rehoboth. We have been given an opportunity in the midst of all the physical, social, emotional, political, and economic pain to be healers after the manner of Christ, to be comforters after the manner of the Holy Spirit, to be creators of new relationships after the manner of our covenant God. Such things and more are the calling of the church in every age, but perhaps felt more keenly here in the present as we face an uncertain future with the certain knowledge of the one who holds that very future. We know what he has done, what he is doing and what one day he has promised to do. And we honor his memory by living his legacy, which is a ministry of sharing the good news of reconciliation for sinners. Even as we seek our own wholeness and healing from this fount of every blessing, 
We are to seek the same for the world. As we pray for our own well-being, so too for the welfare of the place in which we now dwell, may we continue to explore new expressions of the fellowship of the saints as we minister to our families that we have come to know even better now through the claustrophobic quarantine we have all had to adapt to. May we continue to explore new expressions of fellowship of the saints as we minister to our church family, as we have written more, called more, and emailed more than perhaps ever before. May we continue to explore new expressions of the fellowship of the saints as we minister to our friends and our neighbors, as we consciously consider their needs, as we share meager rations of staples, such as hand sanitizer, paper towels, and toilet paper. May we continue to explore new expressions of the fellowship of the saints as we minister to the region, seeking ways to meet acute new needs that are presenting themselves, while at the same time continuing to support agencies that are struggling to meet long-term ongoing needs of many of the least of these that had been previously identified and targeted. Yes, there is plenty of hard work ahead of us in this new act, but as the disciples were intimately aware, Jesus, now ascended, would send his Holy Spirit upon we, his followers, that we might fulfill the purposes to which we had been called, to which we have been equipped, to which we are being sent. Amidst all that has changed, that much hasn't changed in this new act, and for that we may truly say, thanks be to God, and amen.